Welcome to another episode of Learn with Bestern, where we discuss the latest trends in leadership development, self-development, as well as well-being. There's so much information out there. We want to make sure we bring in the latest insights and research based on neuroscience and behavior change to give you the tools that you need to make a change in your personal and professional lives. Join us on a journey to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with others that might find it helpful. why it is lovely because finally we get to we 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 get to communicate all of these ideas that during one year you and me we have been working together in order to uh discussing together a lot about well-being at work we both are working in the in the same uh in the same area but from different perspective right the one, yes. one of the areas is to understand how do we get real data to, uh, to understand what is going on at, at work? Because at the end, many organizations are having the same challenge. So how to do the right actions and find the right insights. Um, it, it, it is not about just having the, the what or the symptoms of people. It's about understanding the triggers and also the context where people are in order to identify what are the best solutions, right, Vishal? Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, it, uh, it's it's uh, as you correctly pointed out that it's a context. In 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 that context, what will be the correct solution for this? So exactly. uh, you know, it's a good point to start with. And, and very often, organizations just have the the. The, the, the symptoms. So what do they see? They see presenteeism. So this lack of productivity when you feel so much uh, bombarded by information and your brain is not functioning, at, at, you are not functioning at your best. So we have presenteeism in the, in the rise, especially during the, uh, this last period of time. We have people leaving because they have aspirations, other aspirations, or that they realize that something they can expect better in their life. So the, 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 the great resignation is a topic that it is quite uh, heavy in, in a lot of the mouth of people in human resources. So how do we do in order to retain them? So we just have the, the symptoms. And finally, the famous 65 to 70% of level of stress in the workplace. So, but knowing the symptoms, it doesn't mean that we need to heal the symptoms. It's, it's like giving an aspirin to, to people in order to heal. So yeah. it, it, that's so good that we have the opportunity finally to share our, our findings. But first of all, Vishal, I need to introduce you. Um, Vishal, we know each other already for one year. So I, I just have to say that I'm quite impressed uh, about your background, researcher on psychology and psychometrics. Psychometrics is the measure of the uh, impact in, uh, in the psychology of, of people. You are also the co-founder and chief research officer at Geography. Uh, I understood also that you have a doctorate in psychology, uh, something quite interesting that you will need to explain me one day and that I need to understand is that you have been practicing existential psychotherapy. So you will need to tell me more about, tell us more about it because that seems like existentialism philosophy combined with the human psychology whoops 
Um, <laughs> uh, you have been already for a long time helping people, in, in fact, to realize, to discover the real selves and achieve, in, in fact, self-actualization, which is the ultimate uh, need that human beings want to fulfill. Uh, first of all, uh, Vishal, I, I wanted to ask you directly. So from where does it come, this interest in psychology and well-being? There needs to be a root cause. <laughs> yes, there is there is a, a root cause. And first of all, I would like to uh, thank you, Ivan, for having me. And uh, it's not just for this webinar, but this association that we are having for almost last one year. And there's a lot of uh, exchange that is happening. Uh, the, the kind of work that you have been doing uh, uh, in, the, uh, uh, in, in that particular area uh, of training and intervention uh, in, in, in the HR field. And we are getting a lot of uh, you know, intellectual exchange and that is helping us even in, in geography. So uh, really want to thank and appreciate your work. With, with this, uh, the question that you uh, asked me about the interest in psychology and existential approach and uh, 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 you know, it's in, in psychology, when we, we got our training, the first thing that we learn is understand ourselves. So it's like we, uh, it's like it starts with yourself. So you understand yourself first as a psychologist, and then you can go out and, uh, you know, help people understand themselves. Uh, so this, the whole existential approach, it talks about meaning centric life. Uh, uh, there was a there was a period, you know, like 200 years back, uh, 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 like a couple of centuries back, uh, uh, the human behavior was dominated by will to will to pleasure, because our societies were dominated by the uh, uh, by the serious uh, social stigmas and, and taboos, and there was a lot of restrictions on behavior. So the pleasure was something that people were struggling with. Then a period come when a lot of globalization happened, economical advances happened, and uh, it's it's an era of will to power. That now, if you see the uh, the government and countries, people, uh, everybody is struggling for the you know to have the power. Now, uh, since we are talking about existential approach, uh, it's an era uh, where uh, all existential psychologists they believe that it's an era where people are living their life on a particular will and it is called will for meaning will for meaning so all of us we are basically our behavior is driven uh, to uh, to to discover meaning uh, in a in a life and if you can see uh, my co-founder abhijit one day we were discussing and he told me that this era is about experiential economic mm. experiential economic so uh, when we talk about experiential economics, it's again from an existential perspective where people want to experience things. People want to, uh, want to live their life meaningfully. So this whole uh, journey of well-being and psychology started from understanding self and living a meaning-centric, purposeful life. And, and this is how we started the journey with, uh, with geography to, uh, to prepare certain assessment and intervention to uh, help people understand themselves and live a uh, meaning-centric life, which ultimately leads to well-being. Uh, I mean, um, there is, in what you say, I understand the, the, the correlation with, uh, with well-being, but if we look at, and all comes to the 
the aspect of the need, the human needs of self-actualization. You made me, when you were talking about the sense of purpose, I was thinking about the, the work of Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi Mihaly, when he talks about flow, how people in fact become super productive, super focused when there is purpose and meaning what, uh, in what you do. There is also this sense of account ownership, accountability. I don't remember the exact word because myself, I'm not a psychologist. And I, by the way, I forgot to introduce myself. So. <laughs> My name is simply Ivan Palomino, uh, grew up in Switzerland, in Latin America. Um, I'm an engineer, I'm an, a numbers person, and this is something quite in common that we have, Vishal. We, we only believe data to uh, provide us the good insights. So this is something that we <laughs> always align. Whatever discussion ends up, show me the number. Um, <laughs> I have been working for 17 years in, in, in corporate strategy, so my job was not so much with people, but let me tell you what, what I enjoyed the, the most in, uh, in my work for 17 years in a multinational uh, and in different places around the world, it was the job that I was doing for people, and especially about the, their development, and that's how the idea of understanding how can we help people in this self-actualization to be the best version of themselves, to manage themselves better, either in well-being or to reach the specific goals that they want to have in life. This, is, this was a major obsession that we had when we founded Besson with my co-founder, Elena. It was, is there a better way than these trainings? Because training yeah. is a one-off and people need a little bit more when they are learning how to reflect learnings into behaviors. So we dug a lot in, in terms of behavioral science in order to understand how can we nudge the brain to do, to do actions and to do less of just memorizing, less of mm -hmm. watching mm -hmm. uh, PowerPoints. And it's about putting in practice something that is going to be useful in order to, for people to reach their, their goals. So we work with corporations and that, that's something that, again that we have uh, we have in common that we have collected so much experience and information out of our specific job uh, Vishal. Um, now the key let's start by the basics so we are always talking about well-being specifically because what we see the most is the level of stress in in, in employees uh, rising uh, but I guess that well-being is more than just the level of stress. And I would like to have your perspective on, on what, it, what it, it can mean. What, what else does it mean, uh, well-being? Uh, uh, a very good uh, uh, point to begin with, Ivan. Uh, because uh, stress, my doctoral dissertation uh, is also uh, on, on stress and, and uh, positive psychology. And when we studied stress, you know, stress is something which is inevitable. We cannot, there's no option. The stress is going to be there. We are in the era of stress. Uh, stress, which is, uh, you know, uh, uh, from multiple, basically we are bombarded uh, uh, with the event and, and things that are stressful uh, on us. So stress is there. We cannot, uh, you know, we cannot run away from it. Now, managing stress is, is again something that we need to understand uh, first. But point aside about stress, people mistakenly, uh, consider that stress management is something that is, uh, you know, dealing with well-being. Mm. So uh, stress is one element of our life and stress is not always bad. Stress is not always bad. Uh, there is a, we can call it as a good stress and bad stress. So uh, the, it is, can be a distress 
uh, unless you have certain amount of stress you cannot perform yeah exactly so we yeah. only perform under the uh, stress but that stress has to be a till a optimum level when that level cross it's become a distress and then it hampers performance so uh, we need to understand so stress is in inevitable and understanding the amount of stress that you can carry will always help to perform so stress mm. is not bad it's it's it's, it's good to uh, to have stress it has to be a certain uh, level now uh, about well being uh, it is uh, you know over simplified uh, concept why it is over simplified uh, because people mistakenly consider it as happiness so if you see the uh, literature or even the way people are practicing even in hr organization or people who are practicing in in well being they are practicing in happiness now uh, i i use this forum to correct it that happiness is not well being mm. happiness mm. is not well being happiness is very fragile state of mind and it is subjective in nature so uh, happiness for you can be something something else and happiness for me can be something else uh, so we need to first understand when we talk about well being it's not happiness uh, 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 it's it can be one element of it other why people mistakenly link it with stress management because people considering as mental health mm. well being at something that if somebody is going through a spell of depression or uh, under the anxiety uh, people feel like you you need to uh, you know consider uh, consider your well being uh, you know those are something which are clinical uh, symptoms clinical uh, uh, issues and they need to be treated with a clinical uh, expert a clinical psychologist well being is something which we need to dealt with in our day to day life uh, there are three concept to simplify it uh, uh, feeling good mm. having good and doing well so feeling well having well and doing well so well being is it's not only about feeling well so happiness is about feeling well so uh, you know you can feel well not necessary you will be doing well mm. so to call something well being you need to also do well and that is what uh, uh, approach that uh, we need to consider when we talk about genuine concept of well being when you are not doing well when you, you when you feel that pressure then you think that it is stress that uh, uh, i am experiencing uh, from a existential perspective it is called Uh, a concept uh, that uh, victor frankl has coined and it is called existential vacuum exact that's a good reference i love it <laughs> so existential vacuum is something that we you you uh, deliberately try to find out something interesting something meaningful when you don't find something meaningful you try to fill that vacuum with something which is entertaining mm. something which is entertaining and that is why uh, 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 victor frankl in one of his book has mentioned that entire world uh, uh, is going through a pandemic called uh, 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 called existential emptiness mm. so it's it's uh, it's existential emptiness that all of us are feeling and that's why we feel pressurized 
When, when you are talking, Michelle, I, I just have to say it always relates to the to uh, to the um, to the aim of having a purpose on what you do. Right? Is either on what you do at work or either what you do. What is the meaning of what you do in your in uh, overall in your life? But what really has struck me, <clears throat> and I think it goes beyond the pandemic, even beyond the WHO saying that. <clears throat> Uh, anxiety, stress is the pandemic of the century. How does it come that only today the sent well-being is in the mouth of most of the uh, of the corporation? It has also shifted, in fact, a lot the perception of human resources because human resources during the pandemic has been kind of the voice of all these silent employees who don't dare to speak up because they are afraid and simply because they feel like they're going to be penalized if they are sick, because that's Very how, it, by the definition of well-being, in fact, we are saying you are responsible of managing your stress. It is your fault. And we, in fact, remove a little bit of the responsibility of the context of the or the culture surrounding the individual. Now, according to you, why after, I mean, well-being, we have discussed it in the 20th century uh, during the hippie area, then there was the, the, the rise of, of positive psychology where people were thinking about less of a sickness, but more about having, how do we help people to flourish instead of just saying oh, you're, you're, you're feeling bad with yourself. So how comes that today in this era, now everybody started, has started to worry about it, about well-being? Uh, you know, uh, this is not like nobody is is away from it. All of us, we have experience, uh, the experience of pressure of always being happy, always being, uh, you know, doing something, always being doing something well, some doing something good. You know, there can be time where uh, you can feel low, you can feel down, you can feel bad. And, uh, uh, you know, the way good, positive feelings are part of our life, Negative feelings, negative emotions are also part of our life. The culture, the practice that we are bombarded right from our childhood, that you should not cry. You should not feel low. You should not feel bad. You should always be happy. You should always be active. You know, from childhood, children are bombarded. Children are, uh, you know, inculcated these kind of, uh, 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 these kind of uh, learning that you should be always happy. Same goes at the workplace. You should be always performing. You should be always taking care of yourself. You should be al always following the, uh, the unsaid rule of doing things uh, which are desirable in nature. We are, not, we, we are human beings. We are not uh, robots. And uh, the way we have positive side, we also have downside and negative side of our emotion. At workplaces, because of pandemic, we realize... Uh, uh, the reality and shortness of life. Mm. When we are forced to sit at home, when we are forced to not, uh, you know, we, we are not having access of anything. I know one of my acquaintances got stuck in Dubai almost for, for six months in a hotel room. Yeah. And he realized the importance of life. He realized that, you know, the, uh, the, the way we have good things, uh, as again, I'll, I'll go back to the existential approach Victor Frankl wrote uh, in one of his book that 
consider that you have got second chance consider the day you are living it's your second birth that you have got and this is like the last time you are doing something i love it and vishal it's almost like people had finally the break that they needed in order to rethink about the lives love it yes so we need to rethink uh, about the life and we need to consider this is my second chance i al- already lost the first one so this is my second chance and then i should consider like how i should do the things and you know it's about acceptance it's about acceptance and pandemic opened us to accept the fragileness of of life the the situation and now people have started accepting uh the way uh, you know those uh, personalities in sports personalities in fashion media hollywood and bollywood uh, these personalities are coming up and accepting their uh, their downfalls accepting their psychological issues and they are coming out in public and and uh, explaining that we are going through this you know uh, it is a positive sign that all of us can have these kind of issues and pandemic got us that opportunity give us that opportunity just to accept and work on it mm-hmm. accept and work on it and one you know there there are a lot of uh, good uh, uh, outputs that we have the data points that we have on coursera there is a course called science of well being mm-hmm. it's it's a free course it's called yeah. science of well being uh, april 2021 till april 2021 uh, 3.38 million people got admitted to this course the science of uh, uh, well being and uh, uh, you know i'll take this opportunity to uh, uh, to explain that till now consider last 50 years the gdp of let's take for the example gdp of united states uh, uh, has uh, uh, has tripled over last 50 years but survey says life satisfaction has remained unchanged hmm. gdp has tripled in last 50 years but but life satisfaction has remained unchanged one more uh, fact uh, to this is uh, people in us don't rate quality of life much higher than people in kolkata india so across the globe leaders chros ceos directors of company you know they realize that it is not about financial it is not about all always the uh, always money it is not about economic is something else into it and that is why we need to that is why now people are talking about uh, about well being mm. uh, vishal so basically you remind me of this famous study where the, there was an, a, an analysis of the correlation between money and happiness and in fact until the i think it was done in the in the us until there is one data point where money that is not directly correlated to the level of happiness so when you don't have enough money really it influences your happiness because you don't have enough in order to cover your basic needs of survival but when you after reaching that point the correlation yeah. is not linear anymore it is plateauing So I think Correct. that it was $75,000 after $75,000 in the US you are not more happy. The second comment mm-hmm. that I have to to say about what you say it is that <clears throat> it looks like we we have started talking about well-being not because corporates 
started work caring about it. It is a bottom bottom up approach. In fact, it is because corporates notice that they are losing people in terms of their productivity, in terms of yeah. talent attraction, that they have started worrying about it because we are in a world top talents. It is not easy to uh, to um, to attract generation Z. 60 to 70% of, of, of them, they worry more about their personal well-being than in my generation where it was all about financial. Yes. Uh, it is over. So how can you attract good people if you don't have the right strategies? And that has created the movement. So it started by people saying, having the time to reconsider their lives and companies getting worried that these people are not intrinsically motivated to work for me. That's yes. um, that's a very good point that you have highlighted. Now, it, yes, uh, to to add what you have said, just few hours back, like couple of hours back, we got a news that uh, in UAE has accepted four point five uh, working week, like yes. four point five days working week, and and the, the its whole thing boiled down to well being, and they realized that uh, you know it's uh, unless we care for well being of the employees they are not going to be productive, regardless of how much salary increment you are giving. Absolutely. Money is not anymore the priority to make people uh, come back to work. And by the way, I'm quite hopefully hopeful about the 4.5 days per, uh, per week of work. Uh, but for the time being, it's just the government, governmental organization. But I'm pretty sure that a lot of private institutions will, uh, will follow up uh, on that. Now, the critical question today is, so is there a way to measure, to have a scientific approach to well-being? Uh, I mean, we know that psychometric assessments have existed already since, I don't know, the 70s uh, in the 20th century uh, for more, more than 40 years. Why many organizations are having the challenge of finding the, the, the right type of tool in order to measure that something that doesn't measure just the outcomes, how, how do I feel, but understanding the why do I feel like that and what triggers uh, my, 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 my symptoms of, of feeling either well or not feeling well. Why it has been so painful for organizations to have a solution for that? It's a very uh, good and critical question, uh, Ivan. Um, uh, even when we started our journey around uh, 2.5 years back, uh, in geography, developing our assessments. Uh, the first thing that we stuck is in most of the organization, most of the uh, um, uh, corporates, you know, the assessments that they are using, uh, it's about, you must have heard about MBTI, Big Five, and most yeah. of them are uh, personality assessment. So they are assessing people on their personality. Now, well-being is not only about personality. Personality is a small part. Personality, we cannot ignore the role of personality in well-being. Yes, personality is there. It's a small, small part of well-being. But well-being is very broad and multifaceted concept. When I say multifaceted concept, there are three angles to well-being. We have a subjective well-being. We have objective well-being. And we have psychological well-being. So subjective well-being is about happiness that people are, uh, you know, feeling good aspect. Objective well-being what uh, is about uh, 
uh, our own uh, Amartya Sen, uh, uh, he won the Nobel Prize on on uh, on the behavioral economics, and his main research was on well-being. Uh, it must be surprising for our audience that uh, he ta- uh, he being an economist, uh, uh, the research the the Nobel that he won is on behavioral economics and which related to well-being, and he talked about uh, the functionality that is possible in a given infrastructure. So goods and infrastructure that are required to make your life easier uh, to achieve the well-being. So this is one aspect. And last aspect is your psychological functionality. So the personal growth, the lifespan development, and positive mental health. We don't assess these things into typical conventional psychometric assessment, which are there Mm -hmm. currently in use. And almost now it's almost like half of the century that we, we are being using it. They are good for recruitment. They are good for recruitment. But we cannot ensure the requirement that people have for their well-being. Since human beings are unique and special, you and me are different. So uh, the things that required for me to achieve my well-being may differ from things that you are looking for. And for this particular reason, we need to include a different area, different aspect of well-being uh, uh, in that, what we have done in uh, in geography well-being assessment, it's a it's a multifaceted approach where we have talked about the behavioral aspect uh, of well-being, uh, the conventional personality traits. Uh, we have talked about uh, the the objectivity of well-being uh, in terms of feeling happy, in terms of what kind of infrastructure requirement you are looking for. And important aspect that we have considered uh, in well-being is uh, we should not ignore the the personal growth model. Uh, mm-hmm. That for every individual, what all my growth needs are. So those personal growth uh, functionality processes should be there in assessment, which were not there. You 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 go and check all the available assessment which are there in uh, in the area of well-being, and you will not find these kind of uh, approach. I need to take a name uh, of a very senior uh, researcher in the field of uh, well-being. Uh, her name is uh, uh, Carol Riff. Uh, she uh, uh, established a model of psychological well-being where a concept of psychological functioning, a positive psychological functioning. It's not about your trait. It's not about your personality. It's about your positive functioning that should that we should be assessing. And uh, we have uh, considered those psychological functioning approach with uh, your motives and values, uh, relationship, uh, uh, your career, workplace uh, uh, well-being factors, and personal well-being factor. So this is like a complete uh, process, complete human functionality, an area that evolves uh, around, around our life. And this, this, that this is why these assessments are process-oriented assessment. They are not trade-based typical assessment of personality. And that's why they are not there uh, in, in the practice. And uh, the path-breaking work that uh, we are publishing now in, in reputed journals uh, that we have done by including these aspects in, in the geography assessment. Wow. So because humans, we have become a little bit more complex in the, uh, in the race of the psychological aspects or, or fulfilling the psychological aspects 
have become more important and also kind of, I don't know if I can, I can call it this transcendental aspect, it has become more important. Yes. Until now, in fact, psychometrics were not considering all the different aspects that, all the different dimensions that makes that you are going to be happy or I am going to be happy. And you raise also a very important, interesting, in fact, point that I, I was reading also that culturally, I mean, the good things or the, 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 the behaviors that we demonstrate when we are not feeling well might be different. And also the solutions might be different. So for instance, if, if you ask someone to do certain, a practice of, I don't know, to, to thank, to, uh, to be grateful about the day, it would work for a Western person. But if you do it in South Korea or Japan, the guys are already living in oppression with uh, with that uh, uh, formatting uh, yeah. that it, it will not have an impact. That simply uh, not. Yes, and, yes, and that drives to 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 the big question. So when you have the information about what is not going well, which areas specifically? What are the triggers? What are the contexts? Which what, that are influencing the, the well-being of your organization, then you need to go into the actions. And you, you mentioned something that we live uh, in a world that, that, I mean, it hasn't changed much in, in that, in that per perspective where we are continuously programmed by our parents, our society, be like this, be a man. You need to yeah. be an engineer, a doctor, a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> um, we live with a, a set of rules that are stored in our brain. So, and, and the key thing is when you do an action is you need to reprogram your brain. You need okay. to, people use the word unlearn, on, on but I, I don't really like it, but I like the, 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 the um, the approach of comparing it to reprogramming. So removing certain codes and replacing these codes, uh, replacing it with new codes that are repetitive because in order to reach the area of your brain where there is only all of this set of rules of, in order for us to live, uh, to survive in society, we need to remove a couple of things and repetitively practice things. And yeah. that's what we, Elena and I, my co-founder, we, we always blaming, I mean, the, 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 the tools in order for people to, to do the reprogramming are not there. You cannot yeah. go for a, a, a yoga class uh, for two hours of discussion about meditation, to do um, hand-holding events with the organization and expect that this is going to be enough. What the organization is expected, what the human being expects in order to change behaviors is repetitive acts supported by feedback yes. in order to change. Behaviors do not change by knowing. Otherwise we will, we will read a good book and we will change, but no, <laughs> it's action that drives the, uh, the change. It's actions, the fact that I feel, I would feel accountable that I'm in, in, the, in the right culture setup where I feel hurt, where I, I don't feel scared of failing, like, in Take. my original con uh, culture in Latin America, and this is very similar to the Indian culture, Michelle. I mean, <laughs> failing is not an option. It's like, yeah. what the hell? Everybody's going to blame you. You are a failure in the society. They will point at you. So, but <laughs> we live in a time where 
this should be acceptable. We need to be continuously yes. improving ourselves, doing this Kaizen approach of, of saying that works, that doesn't work, I tried it. How do I minimize the risk that the action that I do is not going to make my life fail, but just learning like a lean startup approach of your with, uh, with yourself. And, that exact, that's exactly how we, we help organization at best and to, to move forward because we have this individualized approach in order to say, this is what doesn't work for you. And this is the, mm-hmm. type of, the type of mindsets that you need to have in order to reach this goal of Correct. being, I don't know, more confident at work or being a better communicator or being more empathic uh, at work or simply about managing yourself. How do you control your life, yes. your stress, your your time. How can you change the perspective when you feel stressed because you have a, a live webinar? Ah, it's stressful. <laughs> and how can you control that? <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, what, uh, uh, the kind of work you are doing, with, just with reference to that, uh, there's a concept called archetypes uh, mm-hmm. uh, in, in psychology. And, you know, all of us, we, we develop these archetypes and sometimes it, it gets difficult for us to change that archetype. It's, it's a, it's a com- combination, a packet of information, which is fixed in our unconscious. Yeah. And we start believing that it, it creates a lot of beliefs. Now to break those beliefs and make person learn new belief is something that you know, required a lot of intervention and it is not something which is very easy. It requires very serious uh, uh, effort uh, uh, and and uh, guidance uh, that, you know, uh, people like you and me can definitely offer. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Michelle, so you have been working with several corporations internationally and I wanted to understand what have you observed as the big no knows big mistakes that organizations are doing when they are measuring well-being. Uh, you know the the biggest um, uh, error or mistake that I I would like to share here is they are not measuring well-being. They are not practicing well-being <laughs> because they don't understand well-being. Uh, uh, you know we were talking uh, we were in meeting with one of the very senior uh, HR personality from Southeast Asia. Uh, and uh, he he told us that in uh, most of the HR for them, well-being is like uh, send them for Zumba class. Mm. Uh, uh, it's it's a well-being activity, and uh, ask them to do certain some yoga or ask them to join some sort of uh, engagement uh, classes. And this is the biggest mistake. Uh, uh, and more than that, above that, one particular thing that you can see across the globe that people are doing is asking them to attend some motivational speaker yeah some motivational class some some sort of you know where you feel in that one hour one and a half hour you feel like you know this particular session is is changing my entire life and when you go uh, home and you try to use those things in your life you feel that is not useful i cannot it is something that good to good to attend good to hear but it's not Mm -hmm. something that is applicable uh, and this is where most of the organization are, uh, you know, uh, uh, spending their time, their energy uh, and not getting anything out of it. And that is why this big drive of resignation, you know, these kind of news we are now uh, uh, getting because these are these all solutions are very temporary. Uh, you know, we are trying to treat the symptoms. Mm. We are not going into the root cause. 
in in medical practice you know what is uh, is a century long debate whether to treat the cause or treat the symptom mm. if somebody is resigning or what organizations are doing they are increasing their their pay they are they are trying to deal the symptom they are not going deep down and trying to deal with the cause the root cause of it uh, and, and that is why we need to understand the root cause and people are not doing it uh, you know one very interesting uh, insight that i would like to share is i was uh, uh, i was with one of my client and uh, he experienced uh, uh, a lot of burnout Uh, uh, he was an engineer a software engineer uh, and going through a lot of pressure and experiencing a lot of burnout uh, i asked him why don't you take a break uh, he told me that no i don't want to take a break though it is pressurizing though it is demanding but i love my work hmm. i want to uh, uh, keep doing it uh, what other things which are there uh, 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 which are not helping him to work he want organizations to focus on that and remove it so it's not about you know employees are asking for salary hike employees are asking for huge breaks and long weekends it is not about that it is about because genuinely people are you know human beings are nice human beings are motivated they want to do something good because they they are in search of meaning yeah it's not just like you are experiencing burnout and you just need to you know uh, take a break and and relax for some time and that burnout will will the burnout will vanish so uh, organizations are this is the big time failure into understanding the root cause that what exactly going wrong and that's why they need to uh, work on the environment uh, the psychological climate uh, not i'm not talking about the physical climate i'm not talking about having greenery at workplace the psychological climate that is that need to be worked the cultural issues that need to be worked uh, uh, at the workplace and i guess this is what biggest mistake most of the organization are are doing uh, when it comes to dealing with uh, with well being you know what when you were talking about the the uh, motivational speaker i was thinking that like a kid asking you i'm hungry and you give him an ice cream yes they're going to be super happy but that will not succeed to <laughs> calm down the, the the hunger now yeah and and one of the misconceptions that there uh, that there is in in organization is that when you ex you explain that the effort in order to support an organization needs to be sustainable it doesn't mean go and pay expensive trainings given by one of the strategic consultants or But whatsoever you say that in fact is about working about the behavior that needs to be in the cultural environment and that doesn't cost because doesn't cost much it's it's not even it's a zero yeah. cost about changing the behaviors that need to represent the future culture in order to uh, to make possible that well-being is really implemented in in the organization because it's not about the yoga it's not about the inspirational st stuff is simple things that people want they don't want extra money they right. they want to have a thank a thanks they want an environment of trust so in order to gain trust managers leaders needs to 
display the right the, the, the right behaviors in allowing them to to take their own initiative instead of telling them do that like this so how can you make that people are are, are doing things and, and they 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 have real engagement real engagement is the intrinsec uh, intrinsec motivation is is not the extrinsec correct. which is the money and the speaker and the trip to thailand correct. it is correct about understanding the psychology uh, for me you organizations are better off having a little bit of like an introduction about what is well-being for leaders and what type of behaviors needs to be displayed in the uh, in the new culture a little bit of human psychology with would help maybe let's say at three hours for leaders okay how much <laughs> would it cost you the three hours for a, of a support in order to understand the human psychology versus the expensive $10,000 per hour uh, motivational speakers. Oh, by the way, I, I found out some prizes. So I was like dying. <laughs> I should be a motivational speaker but instead of working. Uh, <laughs> so the sustainability of actions because of the how the, the brain is built needs to be something that is recurrent in a small doses so that yes. intentions become behaviors. Although it doesn't exist otherwise. You cannot expect a two days workshop about well-being and that people will change. That Correct. has never happened. It is sustainability and a lot of changes driven by leaders uh, showing the right behaviors. The right behaviors is not for the mid managers and below. It starts from the top because we mime. We mime somebody that we respect, we copy and paste, of course. If you tell me something and, 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 and you are doing something else, then I would see that it is not important for you. And then I will not feel part of the our gang, our secret right. gang that we have created, Michelle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Ivan, especially the, the change that has taken place in the work environment, especially in this kind of uh, uh, on uh, online and offline, this is blended sort of, uh, working environment where you know some some of the employees are working at from the office some of them are from home uh, you know this kind of mixed sort of uh, environment now uh, well-being plays very important role and there's a lot of cultural and even gender uh, uh, plays a lot of role uh, uh, because uh, uh, for men working from home is again a different thing for women working from home is there so this blended model need to be discussed and certain well-being policies need to be established based on insight that we are going to get uh, uh, from uh, from the well-being assessment, from the uh, assessment that people will give their insight and those data points can be utilized and intervention can be planned. These intervention can be uh, behavioral, these intervention can be physical, these intervention can be uh, can uh, can be thinking related uh, intervention but in the blended model of work environment currently we are living into uh, and there are many pandemics uh, uh, going to come as uh, reported by WHO uh, okay. so we need to now seriously consider this new blended model of uh, uh, work and what all well-being issues that we are going to experience in this kind of uh, 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 future uh, uh, environment and how the well-being solution in terms of assessing it because why assessment is important because we need to understand what it is unless you understand the issue you know understanding problem is like solving half of it we know the saying from from our childhood so unless we understand it we will be not able to 
provide solution to it. So, uh, especially in this blended sort of working environment, it is very important now uh, to assess it, understand the root cause, and instead of you know giving solution to the symptom, treating the cause. Hmm. Then only we can have real well-being, and then we can see the flourishing of employee uh, employees. And in a way, you know, as Ratan Tata uh, said, uh, development of organization is development of his employee. So when employee get develop organization is going to develop. Absolutely, but you you mentioned that yes, understanding the root cause is super important. But there, there is something that I I I find also quite uh, complementary to what you said is that we need to be able to uh, measure it. And I think back about Peter Drucker, who, who was the one who said that we, you cannot improve what you don't measure. So if, if you're not, if you don't have data to, to, to see where you stand today, how do you want to know where are you going to be in, in, in the future? So you cannot just throw money expecting that one of the initiatives for well-being in the organization is going to stick. There are some that have zero value and maybe not because they are bad in general. Uh, is because they are not the, the right solution to your organization. The meditation class or the yoga classes, it will not be useful if you have a rotten culture uh, or if you have managers who are uh, pushing the envelope all, all, all the time. So it needs to be very specific to the, uh, to the, to the problem that, uh, that, that you have uh, in, the, in your organization. Listen, uh, is, uh, I, we have a question from Jaroslav. Hello, you spoke of meaning as a key to well-being. Do you have any insights or suggestions on a way to promote meaning with your employees? You cannot just distribute Frankl's book. Of course not. <laughs> no. Even though it's very short, so it's a couple of lessons, is it 100 pages or something like that? Or my version has a, a, around the 100 pages, but no, it is not the, the solution, right? Uh, um, is there any suggestion from your side? Yes, definitely, definitely. That is what we do in existential therapy. Uh, uh, it is meaning-centric therapy. Uh, yes, one part of it is psychoeducation, and it involves distributing the Victor Frankl's book. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, it has a therapeutic impact on people. But other than that, uh, uh, there are a few uh, things that can definitely uh, apply in its workplace. The first and most important uh, 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 thing that driven to uh, meaning-centric life is having an experiential value. So organization need to see whatever their employees, uh, uh, people involved in the organization uh, uh, are doing, there has to be some experiential value. People should not do things just for the sake of doing it. Unless, uh, unless employee enjoy what they are doing, unless there is some sort of skill discretion, unless there is some sort of learning that is happening out of it, unless there is some sort of growth that uh, is, is there in, in that work environment, then people will get engaged into it. And this is one of the, one of the techniques that is extensively used for meaning-centric uh, work life where we need to add certain experiential value into things that we are doing in day-to-day uh, uh, -day life. This is one. Uh, uh, second, uh, that we need to, obviously, uh, uh, we can always involve in that workplace that uh, humor is something that 
uh, in existential approach had said that you know uh, when we go th- when we experience a lot of stress when we are going through a lot of suffering painful uh, uh, incidents uh, in life uh, humor plays role like you know like antidote uh, uh, into into situation where uh, life become very painful and stressful uh, so a systematic use of humor uh and application into into especially into workplace when uh, you know it's always about how you are reacting on the situation so it's your reaction uh, and those beliefs that are at the at the bottom of your reaction so changing those those beliefs uh, uh, uh humor can be means end to change those uh, uh, those beliefs uh, so there are there are such things which can definitely be uh, applied when it comes to a uh, uh, meaning centric uh, workplace one important thing that all existential psychotherapist will uh, explain when it comes to how to find meaning is uh, you know uh, uh, the best way is uh, is accept the suffering when we uh, uh, you know uh, the first reaction when we are suffering for something the first reaction is to is to run away from it the first reaction that people have i'm not saying that unnecessarily uh, take the pain unnecessarily suffer but when your suffering gets meaning when your suffering uh, you see meaning in the suffering then the suffering don't remain suffering and you start feeling something good about it mm-hmm. uh, and that is what uh, uh, employees need to learn and this learning uh, can always happen with certain intervention which even you were talking uh, earlier about about certain learning uh, that can be induced in in the workplace and certain uh, uh, training programs that that we can add where uh, uh, one last point to answer the question is meaning is not something that you can find meaning is something that you need to discover that discovery can only be possible when you are having experiential value in things that you are doing mm. absolutely uh, you you scare me a little bit vishal uh, when you were talking about uh, uh, i think it's called stoicism so the, the the fact of acceptance of of, of the suffering so it, i mean we have to put it into into context is not is not really acceptance it is just the perception understanding that accepting that there is a pain that you live so what do you have into your control not running away but what you have in the control and what is the the lesson to make it simple i am i'm not a psychologist and you have already you already know to uh, to uh, to to find the, the, uh, um, the, the, the 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 reason why could be something positive for you stoicism stoicism is doesn't mean i'm going to suffer and i really i'm going to no, look no, for no, pain no. no it's understanding the pain right that that is something different sure when you are when you are going through something let's say you experience uh, experience work pressure at yeah. at workplace and you are suffering because of that work pressure now you need to find out a a, a brighter side of it uh, the meaningful side of it uh, uh, and when that suffering adds meaning that i am going to learn something from it maybe a time management maybe certain things that i need to plan out and then when i face it once i deal with it and then i become a you know somebody new a new person a better version of myself when i face that suffering come over it 
it is not about you know many time people can take you know get it it uh, can be misleading that you know unnecessarily take the pain we are not talking about it you know it's it's not it's not that so in the coaching language we will call it reframing just reframing of uh, yeah that that that, that would be <laughs> um, guys if you still have questions that would be awesome if you can share it with us in the uh, uh, in the chat in the meanwhile uh, questions about so how can we start measuring well-being how to get insights so what we wanted to do uh because we are uh we are doing it with Alan, uh, and, and i is to to offer you the opportunity to try how what does it mean in fact having real insights around well-being specifically for because most of you come from the uh, HR industry I, I saw a couple of names that look quite familiar uh, how you can use it in your organization so if you send us an email we are going to offer you a couple of access and a debrief on this on how to generate in, insights we will give you a couple of assessments so that you can try it and see it by yourself because talking about it hey I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it myself. So I need to see it uh, live. So what you can do is either to send me an email, Ivan at besom.co or Dr. Vishal at Vishal at geography.com. So just take your time to, to, uh, to capture these emails. And if you just want to have a chit chat to dig a little bit more about what, how it works, just send us an email and we can we can have a, 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 a chit chat so it is about free access to the assessments plus a debrief like kind of the starting actions that you can do with this information that you have that's a, a little bit that we felt that this is something that we wanted to offer to the audience today because this is value right yes yes <laughs> Great. So for everybody who has joined us, I wanted to thank you very much. Uh, we have a little bit of a comment. Thank you. It was very, uh, yeah, Umaima. Thank you, Umaima. Uh, thank you, Yaroslava. Um, so Vishal, as usual, it was really insightful to discuss with you. You really give me, every time that we have a chit chat, we have a little bit of, uh, for me, it's like a good learning. I go with my Nordish side, super satisfied. My self-actualization is super happy, jumping on the, on the floor. Vishal, thank you very much for making the time for me. Uh, thank you, Ivan, for uh, arranging this. It was very uh, good to interact and uh, have this insightful session. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, have an excellent day, and please don't hesitate to... Uh, to uh, send us an email. The other thing that you can do, as I mentioned before, this webinar has been broadcasted in our YouTube channel. You can go to our YouTube channel to rewatch it if you want. You can follow us because we are publishing like every week about self-development, well-being, a lot of inter interesting topics that might be useful. And of course, we love. We would love if you can follow us. Thank you very much. Have an excellent, excellent day. Prashant, Sarah, it was lovely that you attended. Anna, Beatrice, lovely. Abjit, <laughs> brother. <laughs> Thank you. Have an excellent day. Goodbye.
थैंक यू थैंक यू बाय बाय